Welcome back to How It's Played. My name's Eli Soakland. Jo- joining me along today with is... Isabella Torres. And... Brad Killian. Awesome. So Microsoft came out with a new commercial recently that actually aired during the Super Bowl that showcased um, gamer kids with disabilities and a new controller that they released um, last fall. That controller is actually called the Xbox Adaptive Controller, um, and it's meant specifically for people with um, disabilities and... It's sort of meant to handle multiple cases. And it's really interesting that they advertise that a lot during the Super Bowl. And it was sort of a standout ad. Um, What are you guys' thoughts on that ad specifically? Arguably, it was the best thing about that Super Bowl. Yeah. (laughs) Like, I didn't watch the whole game. I watched most of it. And man, was it a snooze fest. And it's like, even the ads weren't even that good. But definitely, Microsoft's ad was, like, one of the highlights. And I thought it was really cool. And it was like... It was very, like, heartwarming, and it, it didn't feel, like, disingenuous. It felt like, oh, they're actually trying to do something yeah, for sincere. these kids and even, like, these adults that have these conditions that prevent them from playing what's quickly becoming, like, a national pastime. I agree, and I found it that that was sh- during the Super Bowl airtime. I thought that was a very smart move uh, to do that on because, obviously, a lot of America is watching that, so it's a great way to get that kind of knowledge out to any gamers like myself who wasn't aware of this until mm-hmm. very recently to be aware of that and see that stuff like this is being made. Oh, yeah. So I thought it was very smart. Definitely. I definitely agree with Brad. And, like, I felt like the ad felt very, you know, emotional. Like, it felt mm-hmm. like those were actual kids, you know. Like, it really introduced, like, hey, these kids are more than just you know, people with disabilities, they mm-hmm. actually have passions about, you know, wanting to game and play with their friends because gaming for them is a great way to connect. Exactly. Like, I think what worked most with that ad was, like, it didn't feel like they were working up the sob story. It felt like they took these kids and they were like, yeah, this is just the way it is for me. So it's like, it's unfortunate, but I get through it. And then they, like, give them the control. And it's like, oh, wow, this makes everything, like, feel so much better. So... It really did feel genuine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Definitely, it definitely sort of portrayed them as just a normal kid, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is great because. Which is what they want. Yeah, yeah. It, being with a disability, you don't want it to to be known by that. You want to just be with everyone else, and mm-hmm. I think that with nowadays, like nowadays, back then or back then, a lot of kids with disabilities in sports, it doesn't really work out too well. I mean, there are sports, but like it's sort of rather difficult you know there's the olympics with disabilities and then nowadays like you know video games are a thing and it's i feel like it's pretty accessible for them it allows them to have more opportunities to connect with others definitely Mm -hmm. um but why do you guys think that microsoft decided to make the controller now out of all times why not back in the previous generation so the way microsoft has been working as far as i can tell so going all the back, going way way back to the uh, to the year 2013 when the Xbox One was first released, you know it was met with a lot of controversy. You know, like $500 up front, like um, no backwards compatibility, et cetera, et cetera. A lot of negative press at the time. But as we've seen since then, Microsoft has really been moving towards like a like a like include everyone sort of way, and it's like. That even extends to, like, their competitors. Like, the way Nintendo and Microsoft have been playing ball with each other 
with cross-compatibility in games like Rocket League and Minecraft where Nintendo Switch players can play with, like, Microsoft players. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, in fact, there's even uh, rumors going around that Microsoft is bringing Xbox Live. They're, they're releasing an SDK for developers so that they can incorporate Xbox Live into their iOS, Android, and Switch apps. Mm. So um, That was an interesting article. Yeah. I think it, it might be true, honestly. I wouldn't be surprised, but, like... I definitely do think Microsoft is trying to d just get everyone in. Mm -hmm. uh, and we can even see it with, like, uh, the Game Pass, which is, like, it's $10 a month, right? I think so. Somewhere it, it's around somewhere there. around that ballpark. And it's, like, you get so many, like, not only just games, but, like, high-quality games. Mm -hmm. You know, and it's just, it re everything that Microsoft's been doing lately has really made me, like, like happy for Xbox players and just, like, the gaming community in general. If I'm to guess why they did this, I think it's for reasons both of the technological uh, maybe setbacks that they probably in, uh, faced while making this uh, controller. And also, it's just the demand was always there, but I don't think it was ever vocalized that much until probably recently, I feel. So I think it was because of a constant outcry and just how many people are getting into games more and more every year that they want to make sure that everyone can play because it's very good for for an image. It's good in general, like, just to include everyone to play, and also it's good for business. Like, from different aspects, it's just all around a good choice. And not to mention, the CEO of Microsoft, uh, forgive me if I get the name wrong, uh, uh, Satya, or Satya Nadella, his son actually has, like, severe cerebral palsy. So it yeah. actually adds, like, a personal connection to this product, which I imagine is, like, always in the back of Mr. Nadella's mind. Mm -hmm. And so being able to make this product for people like his son probably meant a lot to him. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if that was one of the major factors why the controller was made in the first yeah. place. Mm -hmm. um, my personal thoughts on why they made the controllers, um, I think it is a lot of publicity Mm -hmm. um, for them because they're able to say, hey, we have this controller that no other competitor has. Mm -hmm. And they're like saying, hey, anyone can play on our systems. Like, it's meant to be friendly. It's meant for literally just, like you said, anyone. And I also think it's for just technological technological advancements mm -hmm. because I've watched a couple of other people make their own kind of um, accessibility controllers, and they're, they're really expensive. They're like oh, yeah. 200 yeah. bucks or more, and they're custom-made. And, like, making circuit boards and, like, people who make, like, Arduino sets and, like, their own little custom controllers, it it's really intensive. But, like, nowadays... It's a lot of work. Yeah, nowadays with anyone can, who can make anything, you know, with, like, 3D printing and stuff, Microsoft has probably thought of that as a creative outlook, and they're like... If people can make creative things like that, why don't we just make some creative stuff on our own mm -hmm. that's also yeah, for good sure. for company image? Yes. Yeah, it's definitely, like, important that it's not some third-party dev like Mad Cats or Razer that are making these controllers. It's Microsoft themselves, the owners of one of the, like, one of the biggest platforms in gaming. Yes. Mm -hmm. I mean, the controller itself, um, from my kind of look at it it looks pretty official and it looks pretty sturdy oh yeah um the controller however does cost a hundred bucks 
um, mm. which is 40 bucks more than the average $60 controller that yeah. Microsoft sells. And not to mention that in order to, like, move, like, with joysticks, you need to purchase additional, like, buttons and stuff, like, more accessories to make the controller, like, fully, you yeah. know, like, do everything that a normal controller can do. Yeah. The Which controller, means. by default, has a D-pad, a couple of home buttons, and an A and B button. So mm-hmm. you're right. Do you guys think that the price point is reasonable then, if they're missing so many buttons? Yeah, I, I would say it is just because it's such a specialty project, and it's such a niche project as well. Because mm-hmm. yeah. it's like you got to consider, it's like they manufacture this thing one of two ways. Either they have an assembly line for them, so that means that instead of using that assembly line for other controllers that are definitely going to sell, they take that line and uh, make it produce these specialized controllers. Or you have an employee hand assemble them, which probably isn't how that is done. But mm-hmm. just in case it is, then you have to pay that employee, you know, like you're, pay- you're paying an employee a wage. And it's like that's expensive, yeah. much more expensive than an assembly line. I feel that for now it's... It's a pretty fair cost because, as you said, it, it's it's a niche thing at the moment. It's a niche project. And I feel like until this becomes more of a normal thing that is going to be manufactured in a more mass, um, in a more mass produ- produced way, it's going to be that way for a while. But I don't like the idea of having to buy additional things for it. I feel like there should be more things included. Yeah, yeah that just sort of comes with the nature of the product, though, where right. it's like the, it's the idea of, like, this is a controller for, like, differently abled people and the thing is like those people are not you know handicapped in the same way for everyone so it's like someone may need buttons like closer to their heads so they can press it just by moving their heads because they have no motor function in their arms at all or someone might just need simple like just a bigger button because they're uh, they're they're missing like wrist functionality you know so it's like the idea of the controllers be super customizable to like the person because they, because they need the custom, they need to be able to customize it exactly to their needs. That's mm-hmm. fair. Um, I do find it really interesting about the controller how to add on additional um, inputs. Um, on the very back of the controller, it feels like basically like a soundboard, basically yeah. just like a ton of inputs, and they're all the same type. So like you have to have a lot of ad- adapters, I would assume, just to um, try out the different inputs, but like. I've seen a lot of variations on what, like, they showcase. Like, some people just have, like, regular, like, kind of clicker buttons. Yeah. And then some people were using, like, a Wii remote yeah. nunchuck, which really threw me off. I remember seeing that. I was like, whoa. I was like, wait, did, did Nintendo partner up with Microsoft on this one? <laughs> <laughs> it's just, yeah. But um, I'm really surprised that they sort of did that. It's a weird design, but, like you were saying, it definitely showcases that they understand that there's a lot of different people out there that n- have different needs. It's Definitely. as cu- it's as customizable as you need it to be. Right. Mm-hmm. Which is why I'm interested to see if any if anyone out there decides like maybe they don't have a disability but they want to rig up something to make like the optimal Control. like a build for like <laughs> a competitive experience. game or something. So like instead of using like a fight pad or a game pad for um like a fighting game, all they have to do is just like move their head a little bit or you know, tap their foot. I don't know. Oh, so that'll be super interesting to see, like, what the custom, like, modding uh, controller scene does with this. I mean... Which is, like, it, it's a m- way more niche than, like, uh, disabilities. Mm-hmm. But, you know, 
I've seen people play uh, Dark Souls on with a Guitar Hero controller. So I mean, I've, I'm I've seen sure people, that's pretty whack. I've seen people play Overwatch with baguettes. So like literally anything's <laughs> possible. Oh, yeah. oh my gosh. Um, <laughs> I I recently I think the most recent thing I've seen is someone playing. Um, a Guitar Hero custom song to Sweet Victory with mayonnaise as oh the input. What the but heck? that's going off topic. That's <laughs> this really is the best insane. timeline. <laughs> but I mean, do you guys think that Microsoft will actually prompt their other competitors to make similar controllers? And do you think Nintendo will probably make something similar or Sony? I feel like Nintendo would definitely would um, because they're always about inclusivity, I feel, and they want to have everyone play and have everyone have fun. They've always been group-centered games, so for them to make a move like Microsoft did, I feel would be only smart and the best thing to do. See, I do I do agree that Nintendo operates under that function that, like, anyone should be able to play. Like, when they added automatic steering to Mario Kart, mm-hmm. the only problem is Nintendo isn't exactly the best at this kind of stuff. For example, like, game, there are some games like Super Mario, Super Mario Odyssey where it's required that you have to shake, shake the controller the, to yeah. use it. And I don't know if, like, all of their games are like this, but I know some of them, shaking the controller is the only way to play the game. So if you don't have motor function in your arm, you're just out of luck. Yeah. So, and Nintendo's hearts is always in the right place, but it's just, like, the execution could use some work. Can be on and off, yeah. But going back to what you said about, like, should other companies feel, I don't want to say, like, but I'll say it anyway, threatened to make a sort of, like, all-inclusive controller or something like this, I would I would maybe agree that there is a small aspect of that in Microsoft's plans. It's like, show your card, Sony, or show your card, Nintendo. It's like, now what are you going to do? But it's just something about this whole, like, campaign genuinely feels like it's not about, like, beating your... Yeah, it's not about the competition. It's genuinely about, like doing something good and i know it's probably naive to see uh to think a company would do that but i don't know just included with the personal connection with the ceo this this is one i'm willing to be optimistic on yeah i can agree with that for sure i mean i think it's a little bit weird this year has been really weird for gaming it's Um, only been a month it's only been a month (laughs) seriously (laughs) i mean it's been a hoot if you think about going back to the very end of 2018 to the game awards all three of the major, you know, all of the big three came out on stage together and they're like, yeah. we're all for gamers. Like, they're basically like, they've literally just pushed aside their grudges, yeah. which was so surprising to me. And I think that was a big major change for everyone else in the industry because that's basically saying, hey, we realize that we used to trash talk each other, but now we're just, we're just doing our own things. We recognize that each of us are really different because Microsoft is really focused on, like, the you know PC and Windows and Microsoft and sort of making it its own little ecosystem. Yes. Sony is PlayStation. It's literally always focused on that. And Nintendo yeah. is Nintendo. I mean, yeah. what else are you going what to expect? What the heck do they do? Yeah, I think it's safe to say the console wars have officially ended several years ago. But now we can officially, officially <laughs> say stop fighting about Microsoft and about. Sony fanboys. It's yeah. over. It's Done. Just have fun, for God's exactly. sake. Exactly. <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, speaking about major um, events, um, according to Euro- Eurogamer, there's actually conferences called the Games Accessibility Conference. Um, there was one in, that was held in Paris in September, 
and there's an upcoming one in March in San Francisco. So it's a p- pretty wide range, I would say. You know, United States, France. International. Oh, it's yeah. International. It's pretty interesting. But um, according to the article, they've specifically mentioned something called the accessibility revolution. Um, they basically say that there's a huge portion of gamers that sort of has been ignored by the industry up until like a year ago, give or take. And they say that this is sort of going to define how the future is going to be like they want games to change for the better. Mm-hmm. Do you guys feel like that would be something that will grow interest throughout the year? Uh, I'm inclined to say yes. It's such a complicated question, though, right. because it's like... There's so si- many variables to it. Yeah, too. And it's like even just saying games should adapt to be more inclusive or accessible... It's like there are so many different kinds of games, though, because mm-hmm. like, you know, you can look at a game like Journey and it's like that game is probably one of the most accessible games because literally you just have to move the joystick around. There's no like button prompts or anything like that. And then on the other side of the spectrum, we have a game like StarCraft 2, where you need all like 30 plus buttons on your keyboard oh, to Lord. play the game optimally. And it's just like I think it's just going to come down to the developers and just like, you know, making it clear that this is a game where you're going to need like every like as many buttons as you can get and unfortunately that's just like the way it's going to be you know but it's like it's like every game doesn't need to be you know accessible I'm trying to phrase this the way that it doesn't sound super like bad or anything but it's like not every game needs to be accessible. And I also don't think every game can be accessible. Right. Depending on, like, especially depending on what a designer wants to go for. Yeah. That's probably be, would be my biggest concern when trying to make something accessible is also compromising someone's vision or a developer's yeah, vision yeah, of yeah. what a game wants to be. And I remember somewhere in the article about the uh, the conferences saying, like, colorblindness is often ignored, too, when making video games. But also it's like, well, how do you want the game to look? Like, how would Journey look to a to someone who is colorblind. Exactly. So I feel like there's a lot of compromise that has to be met, and getting there can sometimes be impossible depending on the game that people want to make, but it should ultimately be strived for, and I'm inclined to say that, yes, it can happen. But Yeah, especially, like, with the colorblind stuff, it's just, like, a lot of the time... It's just because games are so hard to make, and especially when you're working under a publisher that gives you pretty tight deadlines Deadline, yeah. like back when Assassin's Creed was being made every like year oh, which is like <laughs> really thinking about how complicated those games are and how much stuff is in those games and they were being released year by year is insane so it's just like yeah sometimes the access- the accessibility stuff will get put on the back burner mm-hmm. but it's like I could see this accessibility revolution really like telling these publishers and developers like this is the kind of stuff you shouldn't be allowed or you shouldn't skip out on because it really means a lot to a lot of people. Yes. Do you guys feel like games are more accessible now than they were back then? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Not only in, like, the variety of games that you can play, but it's just, like, the ways you're able to play them. It's, like, it's great. Yeah. I like yeah. games. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can agree with that. I love games, too. But, yes, I, <laughs> I would agree that, yeah, they're much more accessible than they've ever been. And also, like, from the aspects that you've just said and also just the way that you can communicate about your love for games to people, too, now is totally different. And as the kids wanted to do in that advertisement, they just want to connect more with their friends. So I feel like that's gotten so much more easier over the years where, like, video games themselves aren't niche anymore. They're yeah. so popular now. 
Mm-hmm. It's very similar to how anime's grown in the, in the years. Like, that was niche. Now look at it. Hell yeah. 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 I mean, almost everyone knows about uh, My Hero Academia. Exactly. <gasps> Even people who don't like anime know anime. <laughs> yeah. I'm so frustrated that the anime comes back in October. It's like, I have to wait a whole right? year. Luckily, I read the manga, so. But well, back to video games. <laughs> Sorry but about that little games. tangent. But um, you're all right. I think, for me... I think that games have gotten about the same. I don't think they've really changed throughout the years. I mean, in terms of graphics and things looking nice, I think they've definitely improved. But, like, in terms of, like, if you think about controls, controls have gotten a lot more complicated. Because, like, literally when I started playing, like, Red Dead Redemption 2... I literally accidentally pulled, like, a gun on someone. I'm like, I don't know how to put it away. I'm sorry. And then, like, I got arrested. Like, I was like, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> like, it's not enough to press a button. You have to hold it down or double tap. You know, you have mm-hmm. so many commands tied to just, like, you know, 11 inputs on a controller. But it's like you got to maximize as much as you can. And then there's customization in games itself where it's like, oh, you have different menu options that could require controller inputs and all that stuff, too, where oh, it's yeah. like... There's so much to remember, so in that respect, I can understand where you're coming from, for sure. Yeah, I mean, there are some games that I think haven't changed too much over the years and are pretty simple. Like, if you play Mario Kart, it's just constantly holding down the A button, mm-hmm. and if you want to drift, you just press ZL, and then if you, or not ZL, ZR, and then if you want to throw an item, just press the other shoulder button. But, like, I feel like it depends on the game series, honestly. Like, for example, back then, Mario has still the same basic controls as it did back then but like if you compare games back like Mario back then to like Assassin's Creed uh, you know Red Dead basically a lot of shooters you know like a lot of those things require fast paced you know knowing where your buttons are at and Mm -hmm. like with controllers nowadays like millisecond milliseconds count like Mm -hmm. literally watching like frame by frame frame by frame especially in fighters like people will talk about frames in smash brothers and street fighter and they'll be like oh on frame so and so they were invincible here and i'm like i guess i didn't really see it by frame this frame you're attacking it's crazy like it's intimidating too sometimes (laughs) (laughs) like i play overwatch like somewhat competitively like amongst my friends like not on a team or anything like that but yeah you just gotta like make your input's almost, like, second nature, where it's, like, you're literally not even thinking about where your mouse is or, like, how you're pressing the keys. It's, like, it's just got to be second nature. So automatic, almost. Yep, yep. Um, And speaking about difficulty, uh, there was a Kotaku article recently about Spyro Spyro Remastered that um, they decided to not include captions in their game, Um, and they said it was simply just due to, like, development time. Mm -hmm. And what are your guys' thoughts on that? So, I think it, I think it's important to note that subtitles in video games are not the same as subtitles in movies or TV because you there are so many. So in TV and movies, literally it, it's a it's a linear like progression through the medium. So it's like there's never going to be a different frame at second twenty four or like whatever. It's going to be the same product every time, and because of that, you can just layer the subtitles on top of the frame. And you even have the script with the timestamps for everything that happens. So it, it's a linear experience, and it's super easy to add subtitles. In games, however, it's much more complicated because you have to you have to execute the subtitles when the player is in approximate like hearing distance from the NPC, 
if if your dialogue has the player's name um, as part of the dialogue, like that that has to be changed like on the fly. And if like if you have a party, like if you're playing an RPG, if you have a party, and your party mates have input into your conversation, then it's like that's another aspect. There's so many different variables when it comes to video games. It's not as simple. However, it's Activision, and they have more money than anyone would know what to do with. So, mm-hmm. and not to mention, it's a re it's a remaster, right? Yes. Yes. It's a re. So granted, they're changing a lot of what was in the original game. However, the basic framework is there, so it's not like they had nothing. It's not like they were completely working from scratch, at least I hope, because that would be pretty silly if they were. Yeah, mm-hmm. definitely. So, yeah, if it's an indie dev and they don't add subtitles because they're like, they've been working on this game for seven years and they need to start paying the rent. Yeah, that's more excusable, Yeah, because it's like, I get you. But if you're Activision... It's like, come on. Yeah, I, I fall along the same thing or the same line of thinking. I really feel like there shouldn't have been an excuse for that, even if it was development time, mm-hmm. because even people who, okay, so you have people who aren't, who don't have the best of hearing, or even people who can't see that well, like, or whatever. I feel like that should just be a given already. Captions should already just be a given. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Yeah, and I think this co- this goes back to the accessibility revolution and also the uh, just the way that games are made, where it's like when when these companies are making games at the rate that they are, they're not thinking about like maximizing their audience and whatnot. They're just thinking we have to get this product out because it's been two years, and we'll just patch it in later. It's like screw it, we just got to get this thing out. But yeah, I. I would generally like to see games given more time to be ready. And I think that also goes to the gaming audience in general, just like being more patient, which I actually think that more people are understanding when a game gets delayed. Because I remember back to when Final Fantasy XV got delayed for a couple months, generally there was not a lot of people that like got mad. They were like, there were people that was like, oh man, I was looking forward to playing this, but... I would much rather have a finished product. And it's like, you know, after we've yeah. after the community's been burned through games like No Man's Sky, which I hear is actually okay now, but it should have been okay at launch, yeah. to it, be fair. It's pretty good, I would say now. So yeah. Um but as the famous Shigeru Miyamoto says, a late game is only late until it ships. A bad game is bad until the end of time. Exactly. There you go. Couldn't say it better myself, quite <laughs> honestly. I think an interesting thought about like patches and stuff when it comes to accessibility. The one thing I see the most often with games is different languages. Yeah, yes. that's languages. An- that's another huge factor. Like yeah. it's it's not really like a, it's not a disability of any sorts, but right. like that is a huge like a language is huge. It's major. Millions mm-hmm. of people speak a language, you know? So like by not including French, by not including like there I goes lo- an audience. There goes an audience. Like, people can't play this gam- game unless they translate it. So, and like... You literally... It's like it's not like putting your... Uh, it's not like putting your script into Google Translate and just going with that, which... There's localization is, and a lot of that yeah, kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like, if my French grade is anything to go by, you <laughs> cannot just tr- throw your stuff into Google Translate. Oh, jeez, relatable. Yeah. That's why French I feel like... Struggle. I feel really bad for the people who translate... Um, like the Monster Hunter games, like the, the, that that oh, yeah. game is probably the longest 
wait time from Japan to like you know the United States from what I've seen because I've waited for Monster Hunter for a long time mm-hmm. and they're like oh we're still working on localization it, because that game has so many hours right. of work into it and I think like simple things like that like I like how they take the time to input to things do that. like for games when I think of accessibility I think of um, what's in the settings it may not be visible to all but I think that by going to the settings, like I've seen different options for different kinds of color blindness, which there are. Mm-hmm. It's not all just, hey, I can't see certain colors. It's, hey, these colors are inverted here, but I don't, the rest are fine. Mm-hmm. Like I've had teachers with color blindness and they've described like how much difficulty they have with getting dressed in the day because their significant other chooses their clothes for them and they just have to trust them. So like that, that little you know, differences for everyone, I feel like, can simply be just within the settings. Like, you know, you have captions in the settings, you have different languages in the settings. Simply adding, like, you know, the ability to, like, see different things or just even turn off the HUD. I, like, that was one of the things mentioned at these conferences is that, like, the HUD, like, the overall display can be really confusing to a lot of people. Mm -hmm. Like, if you think about, about, like, Assassin's Creed, it's probably the perfect example of a horrible <laughs> HUD. There's a I, lot of stuff going on. I do not envy anyone with ADD or ADHD playing an Assassin's Creed game. That sounds like actual torture. Mm-hmm. Like, literally, if you play, like, um, Breath of the Wild, for example, like, that's a great game with a good HUD because all you really have is the map. Mm-hmm. Um, there's not... I really can't think of much. Maybe, like, the arrow count. Maybe... I don't know. It's it's very super, limited. Super minimal. Super minimal. And I yeah. think, like, even games as far back as Skyrim, right? Because, like, the only HUD Skyrim really has when you're not in the menus is just, like, the compass up top. So. Mm-hmm. But how do you think that game developers can really improve games for um, people with disabilities? Do you think it's primarily in the controls most of the time, or do you think it's something like the HUD or, like within the software itself i would say uh i think just the biggest thing it like if you want your games to be as accessible as they can be it just comes down to give your players the most like give your players as much customizability as you can so and that requires you know obviously more development time and i think that's ultimately the message that i would want to drive home is like let your developers take as much time as they need and like have a proper roadmap like for your development time so that you can include these um, features for disabled people. And it's like, we, we do live in an age where it's like the, a game can be released but then patched later and be and people are okay with it. Like we're seeing that happen with Sea of Thieves right now mm-hmm. where it's like people are coming back to the game after it being not a very fulfilling game as in there, there was not a lot there. So, like, even if your game is out without accessibility options, it's like it it does not behoove you to include them in later because they will only greatly be appreciated. Like Overwatch, for example, it was a couple months back that they actually added a completely customizable colorblind option where it's like every aspect of the game you could customize exactly what color you want to make it as optimal as you need it to be. Mm-hmm. Um, so 
going back to like what developers have to have in their games for accessibility, there is no current laws or any really standards. Mm-hmm. Um, and Activision sort of pointed that out when they were talking about Spyro. Um, and a lot of people are pretty upset about it because there's not a really a, there's not any set things that developers have to meet. There's it's really loose. It's all based on the company. And I was wondering what your guys' thoughts on that, like whether or not there should be laws um, that enforce game companies to sort of adhere to accessibility standards, or do you think it should just be something that they should be aware of and they should just sort of put it out there saying, hey, our game doesn't have captions? Oh, man, that is a hard question. I feel as if like there shouldn't be laws because that can limit a lot of things in development, if that makes any sense. Um, but I also feel, I just feel like it should be a standard depending on what you want to make. And that's, there's so many gray areas to the question. It's like really hard to give a definite answer, like yes or no. I mean, I feel like, I, I definitely don't, I don't want no government touching my video games. <laughs> right. No siree. However, I do think an organization like the ESRB, maybe, having so, like a box on the cover art of a game or whatever that has maybe a list of like, game is accessible for colorblind people, um, deaf people, stuff, something like that mm-hmm. to where it's it's just like an indicator where you can see like, oh, like these kind of, like people with these disabilities can't play this game because the features are in there. So, and I think that would encourage developers to have those kind of features out front when they release their games as opposed to patching them in later. So, although it is... It might be a little bit difficult since everything's going digital anyway, and like the ESRB is having less and less relevance since everything can be bought online. Yeah. So I don't I don't know maybe some just like a text box on like the Microsoft Store or the Steam page something like that that just indicates like hey we have features for people with these kind of disabilities so cool. Mm-hmm. I definitely think that they should. Like, if you look at a game typically online, it says these language options are available. Mm-hmm. It'll be like Dutch, French. Exactly. Right, yeah. right. Something like that with like disability options, like colorblind mode, um, simplified like HUD, or stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's just really, I think the most difficult thing about this situation is that there's so many different accessibility right. um, things. Mm-hmm. And like, there's people who, like you said earlier, have absolutely no control over their arms and no motor function. So like, I feel like the best way to go about that is definitely saying, hey, we have support for the this kind of controller because there are ones that are specifically made for like recognizing eye tracking. Like, right, yeah. exactly. Like in those situations, I would say it's like maybe have a marker that's like, game is compatible with uh, these controllers that help with motor functions. Because mm-hmm. it's like, there's nothing that the game itself could do that would make, like, without boiling a game down to just, like, pressing one button and having basically a movie play out for you, it's like, there are some disabilities that a game just can't quite uh, adapt for without compromising what the game is and exactly, essentially just yeah. changing it into a movie. So I th- I think, like, Disabilities that can be compensated for, like colorblindness or like deafness, having like those kinds of uh, helpers uh, should be like labeled on the box or encouraged. 
but when it comes to like more serious stuff like cerebral palsy that should be more on like con- like controllers and stuff like that i also feel that like as this becomes more popular more in demand and more comfortable with the gaming community in general i think there probably will be some standards that need to be met but until then this i think what you suggested would definitely be a great starting point mm-hmm. to start to start getting games to be more accessible in that way so until until this becomes more common i feel like there shouldn't be any laws per se yeah, yeah. it's definitely really weird to go about it well i think that's about all we have for today uh joining me today was isabella torres and brad killian I have been your host, Eli Sokman. Make sure to check us out on ByteBSU.com along with Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, all the social media feeds. Awesome. Thank you, and good day. See you. Bye.